Good morning, church. I invite you to take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to the book of Hosea. Hosea chapter 1. Hosea chapter 1, and we will be reading verse 1 through verse 9. Hosea is right after Daniel. Daniel, Hosea, and Joel. So Hosea chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, and reading through verse 9. And he who has ears to hear, let him hear. The word of the Lord that came to Hosea, the son of Beri, in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel. When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go, take to yourself a wife of whoredom, and have children of whoredom, for the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. And the Lord said to him, Call his name Jezreel, for in just a little while I will punish the house of Jehu for the blood of Jezreel. And I will put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. And on that day I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. She conceived again and bore a daughter. And the Lord said to him, Call her name no mercy, for I will no more have mercy on the house of Israel to forgive them at all. But I will have mercy on the house of Judah, and I will save them by the Lord their God. I will not save them by bow, or by sword, or by war, or by horses, or by horsemen. When she had weaned no mercy, she conceived and bore a son. And the Lord said, Call his name not my people, for you are not my people, and I am not your God. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's go before our God in prayer. Great God of heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, Enthroned above the cherubim, God, you are, you are great, you are holy, you are, you are high and lifted up, yet you are everywhere. Lord, this is your service. These are your people. Lord, use the preacher to give yourself glory. Lord, we are here and gone. It's like the dew on the grass. That's gone by midday. Our lives are so short. Oh God, let us see Christ more clearly. Let Christ be our everything. In Jesus' name, amen. Please, attend, please direct your attention back to Hosea chapter 1, verse 9. And Yahweh said, Call his name not my people, for you are not my people, and I am not your God. Shocking words. You are not my people, and I am not your God. These words remind me of Christ in Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23. Please turn there with me now. Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, 
Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in Your name and cast out demons in Your name and do many mighty works in Your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. The nation of Israel had committed great sins of idolatry against Yahweh. They were unfaithful to Him and attempted to blend the worship of the only true living God by worshiping the Baals and the other Canaanite deities. The eldership at King's Church recently added a new question to the new member's application. It reads, Have you ever been a member of a secret society or fraternal organization? Example, Freemasonry, Shriners International, Knights Templar, Eastern Star, Loyal Order of Moose, Benevolent and Protective Order of Elks. You cannot bow the knee to false religions and beliefs and call yourself a Christian. You are bought with a price. You are redeemed from the yoke of bondage and slavery. If you are currently in a fraternal organization that mandated that you take oaths to a deity, you need to come out now. One of my former friends at a previous church told me after months of knowing him that he was a Freemason, but he was also committed to actively serving in our church most weeks. So I don't want to assume that there is not a member of a secret society in our midst this morning. There's many of them. Freemasonry is a secret organization that has many branches worldwide. Famous Masons that you have likely heard of include J. Edgar Hoover, Winston Churchill, Mark Twain, John Wayne, Mozart, Benjamin Franklin, and George Washington. I took the following statement from the website of the Grand Lodge of Ohio. Freemasonry is one of the oldest fraternal organizations in the world. It unites men of good character who, though of different religions, ethnic or social backgrounds, share a belief in the fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of mankind. Freemasonry offers a system or blueprint for the good man to further improve his character and actions through its systems of degrees, symbols, and fellowship opportunities. It's a works-based faith to a false deity. Some branches of Freemasonry believe that the name of God is Jabalon. They take Jah or Yah from Jehovah, the name for God in the King James Bible, Bol from Baal, the pagan Canaanite deity, and On may or may not have been taken from the Egyptian pagan deity. You cannot have the monotheistic triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit alongside demons. You cannot affirm a pagan deity and go to heaven. We can only get to God through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Amen. Is that true of you, brother or sister? Have you corrupted true worship by blending it with counterfeit religious practices, myths, or traditions? 
you and I do not have the right to worship God in any manner or fashion that we desire. The Bible does not teach Burger King Christianity. You can't have it your way. Remember Nadab and Abihu in Leviticus 10 who offered strange fire before Yahweh and were destroyed. And please note, Nadab and Abihu were attempting to worship the true God in an unauthorized fashion. We are to worship the triune God in spirit and in truth. And God has decreed the way we are to worship Him in Holy Scripture. We as Reformed Baptists embrace the regulative principle of worship. In simple terms, the regulative principle dictates what we can and can't do in all areas of life, including in the church. It is the, is it biblical, test. Baal was the chief Canaanite god. The false Canaanite religion taught that he was the god who controlled the weather. And since many people living in the land of Canaan were farmers or keeper of life, keepers of livestocks, livestock, rainfall was very important to their survival and livelihood. As it was in ancient Israel, so likewise today, people are still involved in the same sin all over planet Earth. It is done in the name of different false gods, by folks who speak different religions, by people with different skin colors and facial features, but it is done in the same spirit. It is done in rebellion against the only true and living God, the God of the Bible. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 3 reads, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Unless you believe that Jesus, being God the Son, was conceived in a virgin womb, lived a perfect life, was unjustly condemned and crucified, then placed in a tomb and rose again victorious from the grave, and now sits in all power and authority at the right hand of God the Father. Unless you believe these things, you sit here today condemned. As the late Dr. Ian Paisley once said, every religion on planet earth can be tested by the Jesus examination. Think back to what Peter, excuse me, what Jesus said to Peter. Peter, who do you say that I am? Man, woman, and child. Who do you say that Jesus is? This is the most important question you will ever be asked. The answer? He is the Lord of glory. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one goes to the Father except through Jesus. Please direct your attention back to Hosea chapter 1, verse 9. Hosea chapter 1, verse 9. 
And Yahweh said, Call his name not my people, for you are not my people, and I am not your God. If you're reading from the King James or New American Standard translations, you will see that the child's name appears as Loami. Loami was the child's actual Hebrew name. Our English Standard translation, our English Standard version, has translated his name into English by rendering it, not my people. The names of Gomer's three children spoke prophetically of the ruin to come upon the northern kingdom of Israel. The name Loami, or not my people, does not cause most of our western ears to prick up. But the name would have caused a negative reaction to, Jewish, to Hosea's Jewish audience. The name not my people would have brought the Jewish mind back to the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. The Hebrews who heard Hosea's preaching would have been likely reminded of God's promises to the people of Israel. In order for our American minds to begin to understand the significance of the name Loami, I will briefly highlight three passages of sacred scripture that display the weightiness of the impending sever of the relationship between God and the northern kingdom of Israel. So first, please turn with me to Exodus chapter 6. Exodus chapter 6, second book of our Bible, Exodus chapter 6, directing your attention to verses 7 and 8. Exodus chapter 6, looking at verses 7 and 8. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am Yahweh, your God, who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am Yahweh. Now please turn with me to Leviticus chapter 26. Leviticus chapter 26, directing your attention to verse 12. Leviticus 26, directing your attention to verses 12 and 13. And I will walk among you, and I will be your God, and you shall be my people. I am Yahweh your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, that you should not be their slaves. And I have broken the bars of your yoke, and made you walk erect. And lastly, please turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 26. Deuteronomy chapter 26. Deuteronomy chapter 26 and looking at verses 17 through 19. You have declared today that Yahweh is your God and that you will walk in His ways and keep His statutes and His commandments and His rules and will obey His voice. And Yahweh has declared today that you are a people for His treasured possession, as He has promised you, and that you are to keep all His commandments, and that He will set you in praise and in fame and in high honor high above all nations that He has made, and that you shall be a people holy to Yahweh your God, as He promised. So we clearly see the promises that God made to the nation of Israel. And that's, that's not an all-encompassing list, not, a, not all of the verses. 
the Hebrew people were explicitly warned by Yahweh in the beginning books of the Bible that if they did not obey Him, they would be punished. And Yahweh was just in punishing them. If God did not punish sin, He would not be just. The northern kingdom of Israel would be sentenced to exile. And likewise, sinners all around the world today, including those sitting in this room right now, will be sent to hell if they do not turn from their rebellion and come under the rule of King Jesus. But praise the Lord that Christians have freedom from the slavery of sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Cling to Him alone. Many churches in America and in the West emphasize Jesus being your friend. The the, the emphasis of the Christian life, they tell you, is that Jesus is your friend. He's your buddy. He's your homeboy. While fellowship and peace with God are benefits paid for and secured by Christ Jesus, He is also our Lord. Many modern-day English Bible translations render the New Testament word doulos as servant. But a better translation for the word doulos is slave. If you didn't know, the word servant in the English Standard Version was selected partially so that Western minds that are familiar with the transatlantic slave trade, that's, that's the slaves, you know, slave trade of Africans coming to the New world, world, the transatlantic slave trade would not be offended. As a Christian who happens to be a black man in 2022, I declare that whether you are white, black, brown, yellow, or red, you are called to be a slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is your master, your owner, your Lord. In Hosea chapter 1, verse 9, Yahweh proceeds to, to say, If you are not my people, for you are not my people, and I am not your God. This would have been a horrific message to the Hebrews who still exclusively worshipped Yahweh, the one true God. Please turn with me to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3, looking at verses 14 and 15. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. The Lord, Yahweh, is now telling the people residing in the northern kingdom of Israel, that they are no longer His people, and that He would no longer be their protector, shelter, and Savior. God is declaring literally that He is no longer I Am to them. The name that the people of Israel had known since Moses returned from the desert to deliver the people out of Egypt, the house of slavery. 
God would no longer be I am to them. Heavy and sorrowful words. But our loving, gracious, and compassionate God will punish all sin. Every sin, every idle word, every little white lie, every nasty thought, all wrongdoing will be judged by God. Please turn with me to Romans 2. Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2 will begin in verse 6. He will render to each one according to his works. To those who by patience and doing well seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek but glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek, for God shows no partiality. All sinful actions and also the things that we have failed to do for God's glory have been recorded. Revelation 21 verse 8 reads, But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. All sin was either atoned for by Jesus on the cross, or it will be punished in hell for all eternity. If you don't think your sin is wicked, if if you don't understand that your sin is vile, literally God, God in human flesh had to die on the cross for our sins. How wicked is our sins? We are told in Revelation 14 that God the Son will punish sinners in hell. Please turn with me to Revelation chapter 14. Back of our Bibles, Revelation chapter 14. We'll begin in verse 9. And And another angel, a third, followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and its image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he will also, he also will drink the wine of God's wrath poured full strength into the cup of his anger, and he will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever. They have no rest, day or night, these worshipers of the beast and its image, and whoever receives the mark of its name. The elders at King's Church hold to an amillennial eschatology in, in the sermon. I don't have time to get into exactly what that means. But there's an amillennial perspective of the mark of the beast that, that says that the mark of the beast is actually conformity to this world, right? Because there's a lot of pictures in, in Revelation. It's written in an apos, 
uh, apocalyptic writing style. And so you see the, uh, the headless martyrs that are, that are going. Well, there's more martyrs. Uh, the martyrs were killed in, in various different ways, through, through drowning, through strangulation, and the, through fire. The list goes on. So a possible interpretation of the mark of the beast may actually be conformity to this world and to the wicked world system and to the devil. The worst part of hell is not the fire. It is not the darkness. It is not the physical and mental anguish. The worst part of hell is God. For our omnipresent God will punish the devil demons, and fallen human beings for all eternity. And the presence of God will be the worst part of hell for the damned. In contrast, God and Jesus will be the most glorious part of the new heavens and the new earth for the redeemed. With our remaining time this morning, I will answer a few questions. Please note, some of these words may be unfamiliar to you. It will be helpful for you to understand these terms when you read your Bibles or study study doctrine and theology. So number one, what is hell? Two, what is a biblical description of hell? Three, who goes to hell? Four, What is the valley of Hinnom, and why is it compared to hell in the Bible? Five, what is Sheol, the intermediate state? And what is Gehenna, the eternal or final state for the non-elect? And lastly, what does our Lord Jesus Christ say about hell? So, what is hell? Hell is a material place where all those who are not saved by Christ will go for everlasting punishment. Those who will be in hell will be punished by God's righteous wrath forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Hell is a physical location where Satan, fallen angels, and non-elect sinners will be punished for all eternity. There is no such thing as annihilation. Annihilation is the belief that the damned will eventually be totally destroyed, thus ending their torment. Annihilation is an unscriptural belief. Daniel 12 verse 2 proclaims, and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Matthew 25, verse 41. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you curse it, into eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. In verse 46 of the same chapter, And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Our second question What is a biblical description of hell? Hell is described as a place of darkness. Matthew chapter 8, verses 11 through 12. I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness, 
In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jude 12 and 13. These are hidden reefs at your love feasts, as they feast with you without fear, shepherds feeding themselves waterless clouds swept along by winds, fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead, uprooted, wild waves of the sea, casting up the foam of their own shame, wandering stars, for whom the gloom of outer darkness has been reserved forever. Again, hell is a place of darkness. Hell is also described as a lake of fire and a place of torment. Revelation 20, verse 10. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Hell is a place that no one can ever escape. There are no exits. Please turn with me to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. We'll begin in verse 5. This is evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God, for which you are also suffering, since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you, and to grant relief to you who are afflicted, as well as to us, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with His mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God, and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction, away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His might, when He comes on that day to be glorified in His saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed, because our testimony to you was believed. Hell is a place of everlasting judgment. It is an everlasting torture chamber. It is a place stripped of all goodness, grace, comfort, joy, peace, compassion, mercy, and love. John 3.36 reads, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. All people who hate God will be sentenced to hell. You may say, I don't hate God. I remind you that Jesus says in John 14, verse 15, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Satan, the demons, the beast, and the false prophet will also be thrown into hell. And God does everything for His glory. All people, myself included, deserve hell. But God has graciously redeemed some sinners. His elect. We cannot be good enough to earn salvation, but we should live our lives in worshipful, worshipful obedience to Him. Please turn with me to Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20, directing your attention to 
verse 10. Revelation chapter 20, looking at verse 10. This was read earlier by a brother in the morning reading. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet were. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it. From his presence earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books, according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. The doctrine of election the truth that God chose some sinners before the world was made should humble the born-again Christian, not make us arrogant. Because the one who understands elections understands that there was nothing in them that wanted God. There was nothing in them that desired the true living God prior to their conversion. That's true of me. Nothing that wanted God. I believed the truth, but I lived for myself. Until God's Spirit regenerated me, I became a child of God. God chooses His people. So what is the Valley of Hinnom, and why is it compared to hell in the Bible? The Greek word Gehenna comes from the Hebrew Gehinnom, or Valley of Hinnom. Please turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 7. Jeremiah chapter 7. We'll begin at verse 30. Jeremiah chapter 7, beginning in verse 30. For the sons of Judah have done evil in my sight, declares the Lord. They have set their detestable things in the house that is called by my name to defile it. And they have built the high places of Topeth, which is in the valley of the son of Hinnom, to burn their sons and their daughters in the fire, which I did not command, nor did it come into my mind. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, declares Yahweh when it will be no more called Topeth or the valley of the son of Hinnom, but the valley of slaughter. For they will bury in Topeth because there is no room elsewhere. And the dead bodies of this people will be food for the birds of the air and for the beasts of the earth, and none will frighten them away. And I will silence in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem the voice of mirth and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom, and the voice of the bride, for the land shall become a waste. The Valley of Hinnom 
was formerly a place of ancient pagan sacrifice. It was a place where people would go to sacrifice their children to demons. That may offend some of our Western sensitivities, but I would argue that America has butchered far more children under the banner of women's rights compared to the number of children that the Hebrews sacrificed to Baal, Molech, and Chemosh. In our Western land, the satanic mantra of do as thou wilt permeates many minds. The choice is simple, Christ or chaos. If you have had an abortion, but you have repented of your sin, you are walking in obedience to Christ, know that God does not condemn you today. You are washed and you are clean. You are made new. You're a trophy of grace. There are many idolatrous kings who reigned over Judah. But one of the best Judean kings was the king Josiah. Josiah destroyed public idol worship throughout Judah. This included turning the Valley of Hinnom into a garbage dump. Again, the Valley of Hinnom was the place where child sacrifice was often performed. Quoting 2 Kings 23, verse 10, And he, referring to Josiah, defiled Topeth, which is in the valley of the son of Hinnom, that no one might burn his son or his daughter as an offering to Molech. This popular site of infanticide was defiled by King Josiah so that people would no longer be able to sacrifice their children to devils. During Jesus' ministry, earthly ministry, the site was still used as a trash dump. People would go there to dump dead animals and burn their trash as well as any other unwanted matter. In the last verse in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah compares the valley of Hinnom to hell. Reading Isaiah 66 verse 24, And they shall go out and look on the dead bodies of the men who have rebelled against me. For their worm shall not die, their fire shall not be quenched, and they shall be in abhorrence to all flesh. The valley of Hinnom is compared to hell in the Bible because the fires were continual in this waste dump, and the parasites or worms had plenty of hosts to feed on. The unquenchable fire and the worm that dieth not. Please turn with me to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, looking at verses 43 through 48. Mark chapter 9, verses 43 through 48. And if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than with two hands to go to hell, to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than with two feet to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into hell, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Brothers and sisters, this is not a calling to mutilate yourselves. 
but it is a call to give up everything sinful in your life and cling to Christ. We don't believe in perfectionism. Nobody can be perfect. It's being obedient to Christ. All idols must go. God is not just concerned about our actions. He's also concerned about what goes on in here, in our minds. He watches your thoughts as well as your deeds. One day, the bodies of Christians will be resurrected and we will receive glorified bodies which will be without sin. We will be made new. Philippians 3 20 through 21 reads, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. The heavens and the earth will be destroyed and made new, and also the bodies of Christians will be resurrected and made perfect and glorified. In contrast, the damned souls will be reunited with their resurrected bodies. These bodies will be made for hell. They will be made for torment so that they can burn for all eternity. But their bodies will never burn away. Additionally, the worst mental illness, worst demonic possession, The most terrible form of a drug trip experienced on earth will seem pleasant compared to the horrors of hell. Please direct your attention to John chapter 5. John chapter 5, directing your attention to verse 26. For as the Father has life in Himself... So he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Hell will obviously be a terrible place, but the sinners in hell will be stripped of all of the common grace of God, so there will be nothing beautiful, lovely, good, or kind about them. Common grace consists of all of the good things that God blesses sinners with in this life, including restraining sin, your sin, other sins, and allowing them to enjoy the pleasures in this life. Quoting Jesus when referring to the Father in Matthew 5, verse 45, He makes His Son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Common grace. The damned sinner in hell will not desire to be on the new earth worshiping God because the eternal state, the final state of the Christian is focused on the worship of God. The sinner in hell, even if given the chance, would still choose eternal punishment 
get that, would still choose eternal punishment as the flesh is hostile to God. The final state for the Christian is about God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So what is Sheol, the intermediate state? The Greek equivalent for the Hebrew word Sheol is Hades. Again, Sheol, Hades, same thing. It is the place of the dead. There is no such thing as soul sleep. Your soul, my soul, will be conscious after death. Jacob, who was later named Israel, told the following to his sons who wanted to take his son Benjamin down to Egypt. Reading Genesis 42, verse 38. But he said, My son shall not go down with you, for his brother, it's referring to Joseph, his brother is dead. He is the only one left. If harm should happen to him on the journey that you are to make, you would bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to Sheol. Again, Sheol is the abode of the dead. A view that some Christians hold is that prior to Christ's resurrection from the dead, Sheol, the place of the dead, contained Abraham's bosom, a compartment for saved sinners. Abraham's bosom was the place where the souls of God's chosen people remained after death until Christ brought them to heaven at His resurrection from the grave. There are Old Testament passages of Scripture that present the place of the dead for the righteous as gloomy, but also passages that describe Elijah and Enoch not dying but being carried straight to heaven. What we clearly know is that all people in heaven are there because of Christ's righteous life and work on the cross, His blood work. All saved sinners who die after Christ's resurrection go straight to heaven. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8. Reading from the King James translation. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. You have peace, Christian. Death is the last enemy that will get us all. But we don't have to fear the grave because to be absent from the body will be present with our great Lord. Sinners that were not saved by God are currently in Sheol, Hades, awaiting hell, Gehenna, the final place of the damned. Revelation 20, verse 14. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. Gehenna is the Greek word for the English word hell. It is the lake of fire. It is the final destination for the unsaved sinner. I will now read a few portions of Scripture where Jesus is quoted referring to hell. This is not an all-inclusive list for every place where our Lord speaks about hell because it's pretty frequent in the Gospels. Please turn with me first to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, looking at verse 15. Matthew chapter 7, looking at verse 15. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. 
Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Now please turn to Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16, we'll begin in verse 19. This was read earlier in the morning reading. Luke chapter 16, looking at verse 19. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen, and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you a great chasm has been fixed, in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able, and none may cross from there to us. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, They do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. Lastly, please turn with me to John chapter 15. John chapter 15, looking at verse 1. I am the true vine, this is Jesus speaking, for my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. 
for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. This is truth that was taught by our Lord Jesus Christ. If you believe that Jesus is God, then you have to believe in hell. Today, you may be thinking, can't we move on? Can't we just push past this archaic, old-fashioned, closed-minded, ignorant, judgmental, and hurtful teaching? You may believe that hell was simply invented by elitists to control people. If you call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, then you must believe in hell. And friends, you do not want to go there. I could try to scare you, but I know that only the Spirit of God Almighty can save a man, woman, and child. Submit to the rule of King Jesus and be saved. So how should you respond? November 2022, how should you respond? Some of you may need to process what you heard and search the Scriptures more diligently. Some of you may need to immediately, I mean right now, get right with God. And ask Him to forgive you of your sins. And begin walking in obedience to Him today. Others may need to stop sinning in a certain area of their life. Possibly your sin is private. Maybe it is not so private. You may think, but you can't judge me. Only God can judge me. And I respond by saying that is a scary thought. The perfect, pure judge of the universe and ruler of everything is going to judge you. The only way that you can be made right in God's court is through the perfect life and work of Christ. God the Son came to earth and took on human flesh. Being born of a sinful woman under the law, Jesus Christ, being truly God and truly man, came to save sinners. Born to poor Hebrews and raised in the modest town of Nazareth, contrary to false teaching, Jesus did not become divine. He was always divine. Perfectly God and perfectly man. The spotless Lamb of God who was prophesied about in the Old Testament came to defeat sin. He came to crush the serpent's head. Oh, the love and the majesty of God, who loved us so much to take on human flesh and die for sinners. Oh, the goodness of God. Jesus is our mediator, our intercessor, 
He is the one, the only one who stands between God and men. And He has delivered people from the wrath of God. Most people do not want to go to hell. By a raise of hands, who wants to be tormented in the worst possible place for all eternity? No hands, obviously. I sure don't either. Let me ask you another question. Do you want him? Do you want God? Do you desire the benefits of being a Christian without knowing him? You can get a PhD in theology and still go to hell. You can be an elder, pastor, working father, stay-at-home or working mother, community service advocate, or an unconverted person who faithfully attends service every Lord's Day and still go to hell. Because Christ is the narrow door. Christ is the only way to salvation. Friends, will you join me on a journey? Will you join me on a journey following after Jesus? Let us run our race together as a congregation, knowing that at times we will backslide. At times we will get angry and impatient with one another. But we, as the bride of Christ, must follow Him. We can only do this as a congregation. There's no lone wolf Christianity. If there were two doors on stage that were to appear, one would send you to hell and the other would send you to heaven, which door would you choose? Let me ask you, do you desire to live for Christ today? If you do not worship God now, what makes you think He will let you into heaven? You can have the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and not be saved, but have you been born again? Do you know it for yourself? Or maybe you believe that you're the best worshiper around. You believe that the Reformers and the Puritans would be jealous of your walk because you are just so holy. Friends, I remind you that our good deeds are but filthy rags in His sight. You will roast forever in hell unless God forgives you of your sins, unless you ask Him to forgive you of your sins, and you turn from those sins. We need to walk away from them. Sin is like a gun, okay? I'm a good old Arizonan, so I enjoy my firearms, okay? But my gun in the hands of my son would be a very dangerous thing who's three years old. And so if we were to use an analogy of sin is like a gun, guns are not bad, that's not what I'm saying, but 
stay with me for this analogy. If my son, who's three, has a gun in his hands, full magazine, bullet in the chamber, and he pulls the trigger, it's going to be devastation. In like manner, sin is the same way. Some of us flirt with it. Maybe you flirt with it on your computer or your cell phone. Maybe it's just in your mind. Don't play with sin. Don't play with sin. We need to strive to live in obedience to the King. This is a continual daily process, and it doesn't always look pretty. I must emphasize, please hear me, that our obedience, our obedience is not what qualifies us for salvation. You must understand that. But it is a symptom of your election. It is evidence that you're a child of God. The northern kingdom of Israel was sent to exile, and it was too late for them to repent corporately as a people. And one day, it will be too late for you to repent. Your expiration date may be tonight. Isn't that the world we live in? There's so many distractions. We're busy, busy, busy. We forget about the important things in life. I may not make it home this evening. Lord willing, I do. But you need to get right with Christ. Nothing will ultimately matter on the last day except your standing before God. Hear King David's charge, his command to his son Solomon, the future king in 1 Chronicles 28, verse 9. My dear brothers and sisters, may this be true of you today. May you hear these words. And you, Solomon, my son, Know the God of your Father and serve Him with your whole heart and with a willing mind. For Yahweh searches all hearts and understands every plan and thought. If you seek Him, He will be found by you. But if you forsake Him, He will cast you off forever. If you are a Christian, encourage your fellow brothers and sisters to cling to our almighty Savior. Let's pray. Father, Heavenly Father, this is a heavy message, but heavy truth from Your Word. God, I don't pray, I don't pray that people just be afraid for an afternoon and tomorrow and just keep on sinning. But Lord, may you save sinners. Lord, we thank you that our qualification for heaven is the Lord Jesus Christ. That God, that you have elected us before the world was made. And that Christ saved us and that the Spirit regenerates us and is continually sanctifying us. Lord, I pray that you will save those who are yours. 
that you encourage those to live more obediently who need to do so. But above all these things, Lord, I pray that the Lord Jesus Christ be so glorified in every single life here that you will be pleased with our congregation. That you will be... Lord, that all of your objectives will take place in our church, in our individual lives, and in our family lives. Lord, encourage those. Lord, everybody, maybe people may respond in different ways, but I pray that they respond in prayer to you. As you are our Father, you are our Savior, you are our only hope, you are our only qualifier. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.